welcome to the Chelsea Fancast Friday night preview show back on a Friday. Uh, we've taken the soundings of everybody uh, that Thursdays was a damn bad idea, uh, not least because Zoom wouldn't work and you didn't get a show. So never again will we ever do a Friday night show on a Thursday night. Anyway, I'm obviously Stanford Chidge and with me as ever on this Friday Eve is the remarkable talent that is Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, you spoil me, sir. Oh, thank you. Lovely to be on the show with such eminent guests. Yes. I'm very disappointed, not not to see you or, or in you, um, but I'm very disappointed that your uh, book signing has been postponed for tomorrow. I was really looking forward to meeting the star that you are and getting you to sign a couple of, bo- a couple of your books for me, You mate. have to remember my dad was the star. I'm just merely a conduit. Yes, yes, with yes. Book. But... Um, uh, it was decided the weather would be too inclement tomorrow and it will, in fact, piss down. Mm. So uh, with the inadequacy of the tarpaulin and the fact that I would be standing with a few books which would get soggy, um, we have postponed. So uh, it will be the next home game, methinks. Yeah. Well, OK. I mean, Marco did say to me, buy two and buy an extra one and use it as an umbrella. Yes, yes, yes. It is big enough. You could yeah. do that. Yeah. I could do that headwalk thing like they do in finishing schools in Switzerland, a, couldn't I? You could, but a 15-quid um, uh, umbrella. With pricey, a, a mate. Bit, yeah, a bit too pricey, much. Pricey, mate. Uh, so who have we got on the show tonight, Jake? Well, we have... hello. The housewife's choice, the goalie expert. It is Mr. Clayton Beerman. Good evening. Good evening, good evening. Very good to see you all. Lovely to be here. Good to see you, my friend. You're looking well. And, uh, of course, we always have an esteemed uh, uh, journalist, football journalist with us. And I'm really delighted to say that we've got somebody that we haven't seen for a long time. And uh, since the last time we saw Liam, his world has exploded, I think is possibly the best way to put it. Liam, it's remarkably lovely to see you and actually to see you looking so well and not completely frazzled. I got a nap this afternoon. Well done. Um, I've, fra- I've, I've discovered the value of 90-minute naps. Well, yeah, I have too. I t- often take them about <laughs> 3 o'clock on a, on a Saturday afternoon, funnily enough. But uh, more of that later. But uh, you are looking well, mate. Should, um, should, how we, is call, should we call him Hacking Z, actually? <laughs> well, there is that as well. But how are you doing? Are you well? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. good. Uh, the last month's been a bit of a blur with... Uh, Baby in tow and, yeah. and puppy still running around causing, well, it's less chaos than, yeah. than previously. She's she's the big sister now and she seems to know it. So. Lovely. Oh, it's lovely. lovely. It really is lovely to see. It seems like ages since we last saw you. Um, now, look, we're going to have a, a quick chat about um, the Juventus match uh, from Wednesday night and uh, then just pick up on, on what happened in the press today. I mean, I, don't, I know Liam wasn't there, but I'm, I've caught up on a few of the key questions on that and we can all talk about that. Um, but uh, my first point, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, dear old, dear old Clayton, I think I'm gonna lumber with the first one, actually. And I, I wrote this on our Discord group after the match, and I have to say, the meltdown on our Discord group was the worst. You know, well, worst is maybe not the right term to use it, but the biggest since uh, I've had that Discord group running. People were very much not happy, mate. And I put in there, there's an old Chinese proverb that says, "Do not go one nil down to an Italian team." Pretty silly thing to do, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm sort of quite... I'm probably bucking the trend here, but I'm not quite as depressed as everybody else seems to be about the performance. I thought we did okay in the first half. 
um, went to sleep for 10 seconds, which cost us the game. But I didn't actually think, I mean, it's frustrating because they weren't actually very good. Um, so I think that's the big frustration. But, and it's a big but, um, you know, Lukaku scores, he should have scored. Havert scored, he should have scored. You'd be having a completely different conversation. And you're only talking about two bad misses away from a decent point. I think because it was on the... If we hadn't have lost to Man City, and... I'd, I mean, if we would have drawn against Man City or beaten Man City, I'd, there's, there's no way you would have had the sort of meltdown that, that sort of came after that game. I mean, we lost 1-0 away to, you know, a very, very defensive team. It's not the end of the world. It's not going to cost us, or we hope it's not going to cost us. And I've sort of, yeah, there, there were lots of things that we will pick holes in. Um you know, because there there were certain players that, that didn't perform, and and you know we we've said it before, um, Kovacic and um, Jorginho together in midfield on their own is always a disaster waiting to have a, happen, and you know you, you can't you play. Say then. It's a disaster. Yeah, waiting well, to it was a bit of a Freudian slip. It was, but I, in my opinion, and I, I'm sure I've said this before, you cannot play Havertz and Ziyech together in the same team because they're two luxury players. You can play them when you're playing Barnes. Well, I, I, think, I think you could use another L word to describe them, actually, Clayton. But uh, never... I, I, can I just say I was really bemused by Zayek's effort all the way through because he, he, was, he was so ridiculously energised that all he could do was foul. And he just kept fouling and fouling and fouling. And he didn't seem so to... The, 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 big, the biggest irony about Zayek is that was exactly the sort of game that he was brought to perform in. Yeah. And he seemed to have the wrong mentality for it completely. I just didn't yeah. understand what that performance was about. And he yeah. was actually fouled. He was given the yellow card for following through just as he, just as he was being, being substituted. Well, yeah, I'm glad so, I've never been given a yellow card for following, for following through. through. Yeah. Because I might yeah. have been in trouble. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask uh, Liam a, a question because it's 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 beyond my ability to even think about trying to answer this one. But I, I wonder, Liam, if I mean, I think there are many reasons why Chelsea supporters are a bit peed off, and I'm going to address that as part of the chat about the presser in a minute. But um, I, I wonder if one of them is the fact that uh, yet again, and this has been going on, you know, way before Tuchel turned up, Chelsea have a problem in breaking down a team that just wants to sit there with 10 men behind the ball. Um, it's frustrating, isn't it, Liam? I mean, you know, what what can they do about it? I mean, Italians are very good at that. I think that has to be acknowledged. But what can they do about it? I think it's the hardest challenge in football. Yeah. I don't think it's a Chelsea problem. Um, when you have 11 highly motivated professional footballers that are well-drilled and solely focused on stopping you playing football, creating anything, scoring any goals or even having any shots on target, it's a very difficult thing to get around. And even the best teams struggle with it on a given day. Um, I think part of the problem that Chelsea had last week is that, as I believe Thomas Tuchel referenced today, they went from one extreme to the other in the space of two games. They went from a team in Manchester City who were absolutely at their apex in terms of pressing Chelsea high, denying them any room, any ability to get out. Um, so you go from being pinned in your own half and forced into a low block of your own 
to suddenly in the very next game um, being challenged with creating everything against a team that, that is voluntarily um, doing what you were forced to do against City. Um, so I think as much as anything, that transition was probably quite tricky for Chelsea to to cope with. Um, but so, sometimes it just happens. And I think as, as JK said, you know, that, and and I think Clayton referenced it as well. There were there were still a couple of chances in the game that if Chelsea had been a bit more ruthless, the whole conversation changes. Um, he mentioned that today in the presser, though, as well. Yeah. He said it would have been. He said if it if Lukaku had scored, it would be one one, and we'd be saying we got a decent draw from it. You know, fine margins, because, isn't it? Because yeah. we all react to the result and not necessarily what happened over the ninety odd minutes. Um, you know, we you know we are all affected by the scoreline, as you know, I guess to a degree. It's a results be, business, but... mate. It's a results yeah. business. Though I think but you I think, can uh, look at certain moments in the game and think, I don't understand why they didn't capitalise on the uh, on these moments. For example, the first fifteen minutes, we were completely all over them, and they were they were like startled rabbits in headlights. And uh, the the vision of of the amount of room that Alonso had, and he should have been creating his magic, and the vision that I kept having of Lukaku in space, wandering across the penalty area, screaming for the ball, asking for the ball, and it never being given to him was just something that I could not get my head around. I didn't understand why they weren't using the opportunity. And frequently, Alonso would then play a diagonal ball. And you thought, surely they practice. Surely he can see that Lukaku is in space. Surely this is the opportunity we're looking for. They're so passive. They're just defending 10 behind the ball, but not very well. That was what I felt was the situation. in the But, but don't, don't, don't you think about Alonso, that this is the story that has happened time and time and time again in his Chelsea career. He's basically got into a fantastic vein of form. Yes. And he looks brilliant. Away. Yeah. And then for some reason, it's just like it, a light goes off. Yeah, it falls away. You're absolutely I, right. I, I thought You're, he no, was, I agree completely. I thought he was awful against Man City. That's why, that's what, uh, yeah. He was. Well, and I thought to be he fair, was, he, to be fair, Man City was the worst situation for him against Man City, wasn't it? Because it, it it's it just exposes all his frailties yeah. completely. And they so, pinned yeah. they pinned him, and they they sort that yeah. out. I mean, you know, Pep Pep did a great tactical number on us. One one of the, I mean, this this kind of uh, popped up in the uh, the presser today, Liam, and 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 you know, Tuchel seemed to be alluding to the fact that Chelsea might be a bit well mentally slash physically fatigued and I mean you know I, I don't need uh, you know I, I completely understand mental fatigue and I think that can happen at any time but I'm a bit surprised that they would be physically fatigued it being that they're you know they've got the they've got the summer out of their legs by now I would have presumed we're now into October um, so do you think there's much mileage in that? I think it fatigue always has to be a relative conversation, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Compared to the, the teams you're playing against. And I don't really see why Chelsea would be that much more fatigued than the other big teams. You know, all of their, most of their big players were at the Euros or Copper America had busy summers um, and are playing international football as well as going into this season on quite a short turnaround. So um, maybe I, to be honest, I think what could be, um, more of an issue is kind of the mental jadedness. I, one thing that I saw in that Juventus game, and you know, I, I don't know if this is the case, this was just the impression I came away with, is maybe Chelsea are feeling you know, the effects of going into every game now with this Champions of Europe tag 
on them. I know, I know the fans love it. I know they love singing it every game as well. They should for, for the whole season. But um, I think suddenly Chelsea are going into these big games with a real pressure on them um, in a way that they, they didn't have for those first few months under Tuchel. It was kind of a, you know, it was a pleasant surprise to see them get it right over and over again um, against City, Anfield, against Real Madrid, Atletico. Um, whereas now they're actually going into these games. You know, before the Man City game, people were talking about if they beat City, they're runaway favourites for the title. That, that was an actual conversation that was being had. And I think City heard that. Uh, and I think they realised, you know, they were they were extra motivated to deliver that kind of performance that reminded everyone, yeah, we're still probably the best team in this league um, when we're at our absolute best. And Chelsea maybe just had a little bit of a um, a mental hangover from that game, carrying into the Juventus game, where they're, they're they're feeling the pressure in these big Champions League matches as well of being the holders of the competition. I don't think it's going to seriously inhibit them. You know, I think they'll get through the group. I think they'll be very strong in the Premier League this year. But it's it's something they're going to have to get over if they actually want to win the Premier League or the Champions League again this season. I I, I would agree with absolutely every bit of that. I think you're spot on there. I think actually it also has had an effect on the supporters, which alludes to what I was saying about the meltdowns. Because I think, you know, people people believe their own hype in a way. And I think... It was brilliant that we won the Champions League, and I, I wouldn't give that up for the world, obviously. But the reality is, including most of it, I mean, you know, I, I remember saying on this show, I didn't expect us to beat Atletico Madrid, you know. So, and then we end up winning the Champions League, and we all know that the Champions League is a is a competition you can win and not be the best team in it. I mean, we've done it before, and you could argue that we kind of did it again. But they, but they were the best team in it last well, season. Well, That's the thing. Yeah, they from were. The, they were from the Atletico yeah, game onwards. Yeah, they, yeah, they were. That but is true. they weren't expected to be. No, they weren't exactly. That's the difference. Yeah, and I and exactly that. And I think I think actually it is weighing quite heavily now. The expectations that we put on them as well, the expectations that they perhaps have of themselves. And I think you're right. I think that kind of pressure can weigh heavily in a, on, on in a mental uh, in a mental way. So I think that's that. You know, Tuchel's got his work cut out to address that. I think. But the other side of that, of course, is. We are going to face a lot of teams who are going to do what Juventus did because they are going to say, well, hang on a minute, you know, we've got the champions of Europe turning up this week. We probably won't beat them if we try and play football, so let's not. And and I think going back to my original uh, thing about a few minutes ago about breaking these teams down, you know, we, and, and you're right, Liam, you know, it is one of the hardest things to do in football and I totally get that. But uh, it's been a perennial problem with us and I and I, I also wonder if Tuchel can do something tactically or, or personnel-wise, which kind of brings me into my next question. Uh, Mr. Mister Beerman, I think I'm going to land this or lob this one to. Because, I mean, you know, I think I think that there are a mixture of out-of-form players at Chelsea and or, and or underperforming players. And I have to say, uh, like against City, I thought that there are a number of players that came on that looked really good. They 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 had the hunger and the desire, I think, and they were trying to make an impact and a difference. And I think they did. And I'm I'm thinking in particular Loftus Cheek and Hudson Odoi actually on this occasion, who I thought actually didn't do badly when they came on. And Lord preserve us, even Barkley. I mean, we never thought we'd see him again, and yet he probably created the best chance of the entire match when uh, Lukaku hoofed it over. So I do wonder if Tuchel's got to bite the bullet here and say, you know what? Kovacic had a stinker or Jorginho had a stinker 
let's put Rob, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek in midfield, or Havertz is absolutely out of bang, out of form. Maybe we give Hudson a doy a go. Ziyech is a waste of space. Maybe we try, you know, maybe he's got to do that, I think. I, I think without a shadow of a doubt, um, I, I think that Ruben has earned a start in the way he's played in the last three matches that he's been involved in. Um, it be interesting to see where he plays him, whether he plays him high up or whether he plays him um, in one of the Kovacic and or Jorginho roles. Um, Callum, I, I feel sorry for Callum because basically I think Callum's best position is on the left-hand side. He's not a right wing back um, and I think he needs to play on the left. And unless Tuchel is willing to do that, then he's just going to struggle because however much energy he 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 had when he came on on Wednesday, he still wasn't doing what we want him to do, which is to go outside the man. Now, you know, you're playing against master defenders and they he did doubled have a go, up on though, him. Clayton. He had a go. They doubled up on him and it made it, very, it, made it yeah. very difficult. Yeah. And he put in... One fantastic cross that um, Lukaku's ear managed to knock off. Um, so maybe he does, but I can only ever see Tuchel playing him as, as this, this right wing back and, and maybe Southampton's a, a team to play against. Um, I think Trevor will play tomorrow. I think Trevor will play as a central defender. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Instead I, of whom, you know, Clayton? Instead of whom? Well, I, 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 you, you can't play Silver again, can you? Silver played against Man City and he played against Juve, so he's not going to play three in a row. No. Um, so I would imagine that he'll he'll come out of that back three. Um, maybe um, Dave will basically go into the back three um, as well. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, when all said and done, yes, there are underperforming. And I mean, I, you know, the thing is, do you say to Ziyech, OK, you play the next five games? Is he the sort of player that needs to play five games? Just leave him in and let him get on with it. I, I, I honestly don't know because he, you know, he had a spell under Lampard when he was actually really, really good. Before he got injured, I think it was against Leeds, he looked really good. But even pre-season, and, he was very good. Yeah. And so th- there is something there, but I I, I don't know. Um, um, Havertz... <sighs> I just, I, I want him to be as good as I know he is. Yeah. It's so frustrating. It really is frustrating. And now, you know what every single supporter of every single team that Mesut Ozil played for felt. Because <laughs> you know what a genius he is, but he just needs to do it. I don't know whether the Premier League is too physical for yeah, him. But is it because his role has changed as well? I felt that when he was playing even the kind of false nine or the nine there, that he, he knew what he was doing. I now don't think he's actually sure that he knows what he's up to because Lukaku has become the so much become the focus yeah I think that that may be that may be the reason um and and because he's not a striker he's behind the striker um and he's being used as a a a second striker (laughs) yes do you know what we can abbreviate that okay for the for the film uh film literate amongst us we can call him the Fellini 
Oh, you, clever. You could call Although him that was eight and a half, wasn't it? So I'm still it was. But it anyway, was. whatever. Yeah, no, well, you're calling him Mickey Rourke then. If he you played for Everton and Man United, didn't he, Fellaini? <laughs> That's Fellaini, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, the, the boys, of course, as they always do, because they know their onions here. Uh, thank God they do, because otherwise uh, I'd be stuffed. But um, they touch on something that's actually really the heart of this, I think, and it's it's, it's Lukaku and, and how we get the best out of him. I don't know if you read that uh, Football Italia piece that, that appeared on Twitter uh, yesterday, I think, from Conte. Conte was interviewed about Lukaku. I have to say, I, I think he makes a good point, because, I mean, you know, not that we're in the same league as Conte, but we've been saying for weeks that the problem that we've got is that is is behind Lukaku because people are just not not running on to things and of course one of his great skills is holding the ball up and playing other people in but we neither have you know a box to box midfielder who can do that and and it and it seems to me that the other two either get in his way go on runs that are independent of anybody or are out wide so you know does something need to happen there to to, to it's not just about providing Lukaku with service basically i think he needs runners going off him yeah, I think the connections need to get a bit more sophisticated. I think we saw a really promising start in that Arsenal game um, where there were, you know, Lukaku was getting the ball with his back to goal with Pablo Marie, poor Pablo Marie at his back, laying the ball off or rolling in, doing pretty much whatever he wanted to do. Um, and Arsenal were very amenable opponents in that respect. Wasn't that because in that they... Mount, Mount was providing the, the, the service, though, wasn't he? Most of the yeah, time. but what we've seen since then as well is it particularly in the last two games, you know, I think I think teams, well, obviously future opponents would have looked a lot at those first couple of Lukaku games and how Chelsea were using him. Um, and in the last two games, Man City parked Rodri right in front of him to stop any of those entry passes into his feet. Uh, I mean, a lot of the time it didn't even get that far because City's press was so good. And then in the Juventus game, I think Allegri mentioned specifically afterwards that he'd got Locatelli to do a very similar job of just sort of screening Lukaku and stopping those passes going into him so easily. Chelsea just have to react to that. Yeah. Um, you know, football's all about moves and counter moves and you know the big ta- the, the little tactical battles within the big battle. And I think the more time they get training with Lukaku and the, the other creative players in the team um, get to work with him. I think they'll find more areas of the pitch, more situations in which they can combine in slightly less predictable ways because it can't just be Lukaku standing with his back to goal, 20 yards out, arms outstretched, calling for the ball um, and kind of backing down the defender. That's not good. That, that's too... It's, it, it's too rudimentary to work against the very best teams, I think. Um, you, you need you need more variety in terms of how you involve him. So, you know, I, I know Tuchel today said that he thinks Lukaku's already got a good understanding with Mount and with Kovacic, um, which is a, a good hint that I think Mount is going to play <laughs> against Southampton. You think he will? Um, you, think, you think he's fit again? He said he's he said he's fit, yeah. and I think what he said about that connection with Lukaku, I think, is pretty but much. He the also clincher. said that the, his England call up was fine, unlike Rhys James. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. really, I'm glad you brought that up actually, because as we've got a journalist in the house, I think it's a really pertinent question to ask. Because apparently Tuchel didn't know that James had been called up and was quite surprised because obviously he's injured. So what was going on there, Liam? I don't have any inside info, obviously, because no, yeah. uh, I haven't been making calls on it, but. I can only assume it was it's just one of those misunderstandings that happens occasionally and that maybe Southgate or one of his team dropped the ball a little bit and didn't didn't see 
uh, Reese James limp off in that. It was it was it was in the City game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. early yeah. on. Yeah. Um, I like what Tuchel said when he's when he heard he'd been uh, called up for England. He thought it was the England polo water polo squad because all he's all he's doing at the moment is being in the pool. Yeah, yeah he's always got a line to pull. I like that about him. He's a good lad, um, isn't he? But yeah, just one of those misunderstandings, and I don't see it being a particular issue. You know, he's not fit. He's not fit. He won't go. Um, so he'll just get the next couple of weeks to recover, and we'll see where he is after the international yeah, break. Which I think would be uh, what my preferred option would be, because I think there's another point that we we could have gone into, uh, and I think we probably did actually on on Monday. But you know, Mount uh, Kante and uh, Reese James are probably Chelsea's among their most important players. And uh, I, I mean, I think it might have been uh, Daniel in Football London, but he, somebody wrote a really good piece. I think it was Daniel, but they wrote a really good piece on statistically. Actually, they are our most creative players in terms of chances created and things like that. So the sooner they get back, the better. Um, and the sooner you come back on the show, I think uh, the better as well, Liam. It's always a delight having you on, and uh, it's been far too long. So lovely to see you, and thank you for your insight as always. And uh, hopefully we will see you see you sooner rather than later, my friend. But good to see you. Oh, good to see you guys too. And I pleasantly surprised that I managed to get through an hour without either a dog barking or a baby crying in the background. Okay. The, go- uh, the gods are with us tonight, as they weren't last week. But there you go. Right um, after this very short break, uh, we're going to have uh, the lovely Steve Grant back with us from the Total Saints Pod for uh, the opposition view. But until then, uh, we will see you in a minute. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday Night Review show with me, Stanford Chidge, him down there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, Oop. and uh, the lovely uh, housewife's choice, Mr. Clayton Beerman. Hello. And uh, they're very enthusiastic tonight, not that anybody would have thought they'd just watched Chelsea lose to Juventus or something, I don't know. But uh, right, now it is time for this, of course. The Opposition View. And on the opposition view tonight, we've got a warm welcome back, actually. I mean, I, I think we, we might have spoke to this uh, gentleman a couple of times last season. Like, he'll, he'll remind me in a minute. But it's lovely to say hello again to Steve Grant from the Total Saints podcast. Good evening. How are we doing? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, um, kind of approaching this weekend with a little bit of trepidation, I think. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's a funny... It's a it's Saints' uh, funny season. I mean, as you know, I've got... A lot of very very good mates who are who are Southampton fans, having having grown up in this parish, and uh, they're they're really miserable as sin actually. I mean they they're like that anyway, to be fair. But you know, I, I'm I'm more positive about Saints than they are. That's what I can't handle. Um, but you haven't you haven't won in the league this year, but you haven't you haven't been getting thumped by people. So I'm kind of curious, Steve. What what do you think of the form at the moment for Saints? Um, I think we've been all right. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you compare the games we've played with the corresponding games last year, we're, I think, three points up. Um, And, I mean, we've played United and City already and haven't lost to either of them. Um, And to be honest, we should have won both games. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, I the problem is that everybody has kind of latched on to um, the Wolves game from Sunday, which at the time you kind when you were kind of in the moment of watching the game, it was a it was a dull, dreary game that didn't really have an awful lot um, going on. Um, and everyone's kind of just sort of picked up this wave of pessimism again. And it's just like, come on, lads, a week, a week ago, everyone was saying, Oh, look at us. We've, we've worked out a system that, um, that's got us, got us a point at Man City and we should have won at Man City. And we've basically stopped them. Even I think they had, they had their first shot on target in the 93rd minute. And it's, yeah, I mean, our, our fan base can be a little bit, real sort of short-term reactionary, which you kind of don't really associate with the smaller clubs, I don't think, sort of historically. It's, that's that's kind of the sort of stuff you'd expect on social media from Chelsea fans, for example. Um, I mean, particularly Arsenal and Spurs fans are, are the notorious ones when there's like one one result, they'll go absolutely, absolutely mad. Um, but to see kind of our fan base start to go down that road was... It's kind of a little bit of a worrying sign, I think. Yeah, I, I, do you know? Weird. I mean, I went. I went. Funnily enough, last Friday we couldn't do the show last Friday because I was. I went up to London to go and see the specials, and I and I went up there with a, a really, you know, very old mate of mine who's been a lifelong Saints fan. He's in his sixties now, and we had a good chat about the football. And he said much the same, actually, Steve. He said the thing is about you know Saints fans nowadays. He said they're really quick to get on players' backs, you know. And I think, I mean, he, he's been going since the early 70s. So, you know, it was very different then. But I think you can say that about a lot of teams. But it is curious, isn't it? Because, you know, I kind of understand it, of, as you were saying, the bigger clubs who expect to win every week and if they put in a duff performance, getting on people's backs. And I've, I ignore social media because that is just nuts, as we know. But in the stadium, that's the real barometer for me. And I was really surprised to hear, hear that about Southampton. It's not something I've heard. When I've when I've gone down to St Mary's with with, with Chelsea, you know, and and you know, invariably we do quite well there. I've not I've not seen or heard that at all, so I was surprised. But I think um, I think your experience when when Chelsea comes to St Mary's, because we're not expecting anything from the game, there is there is a slightly more sort of tempered um, expectation, and therefore if we're um, if we get beat, it's like well, okay, Chelsea have got a squad that cost half a billion pounds to put together that's that is that is our kind of lot in life whereas we're playing against a side like Wolves who have started the season badly haven't looked very good at all weren't actually very good against us on Sunday either I didn't think but they took they took a chance um with a, a quality centre forward um taking the opportunity that one of our defenders presented to him um, and that's that's been the frustration, I think, that actually we've we've done quite a lot right this season, and yet we're not translating that into um, into results. Where in previous years, maybe um, with a slightly better quality centre forward in Danny Ings, some of those some of the sort of half three quarter chances that we've created in these games, he'd have probably taken some of them. I think. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's it's one of those moments where um, I think, and I think clubs of our size are going to probably experience this a lot more, sort of post-pandemic, where people haven't been been to games for eighteen months. A lot of people have kind of found other things to do on a Saturday afternoon, 
And as a result, patience is kind of a lot of a sort of lot less, I think, among a lot of people. I think there's there's a shorter, shorter attention span, shorter uh, level of patience and kind of I think that is kind of borne out in the reaction of actually what's not been not been a bad start, given the absolute horrendous fixture list that we've been given to start the season. I mean, we're, we're almost certainly going to go into the second international break without a league win. And yet we're not going to be in the bottom three. And we're, I would say we're probably comfortably better than at least six teams, maybe more. Steve, do you think it's because the, the expectations are enhanced by the fact that you stay in the division, so they actually think there should be improvement? I mean, this has happened before in the Premier League. I mean, Charlton were an example of that, where everybody complained madly because they kept kept finishing twelfth. Yeah. They just what they kept think they kept thinking. No, we've got we must improve. We must get better. Must get better. And well, I wonder whether that's a... because you don't you're not a yo-yo club and because you don't have that relegation problem, really. You're always there or thereabouts in the middle where at fact the fans are going, hang on, where's the improvement? We've been here long enough. And particularly since you get you have decent players and you have decent performances, you know, you think, why can't this be getting better? And the manager is clearly a top manager. So perhaps there's that feeling with it. That's what that's the impression I get. I and I know I think selling Ings was a sorry. I'm not rabbiting on, but selling Ings, I'm, Ings, I like Ings very much. Thought he was a terrific player. Perhaps it, perhaps it's that kind of thing as well. You've then sold one of your better players as well. This is why there's been this kind of uh, a, a downward reaction to it. I mean, there's there's always frustration when we sell when we sell a player um, who's one of our better players. Yeah. Um, but I think the Ings. The Ings and Vestergaard situations were kind of situations where I would have liked to have thought there'd be a little bit more understanding um, from our fan base. Danny Ings came to us from Liverpool because he wasn't ever going to get a game at Liverpool. And this idea that he was some uh, sort of Saints fan coming home to um, play for his play for his boyhood team and um, take us to uh, to new heights just isn't isn't the narrative. Um, he was he wasn't a Southampton fan when he grew up, um, even though he's from the he's obviously from the area, um, and he's an, he's an ambitious player and he he wanted to he wanted to move on. We offered him hundred grand a week. Villa offered him one hundred and fifty. Um, so I I don't blame him for leaving, and I don't blame us for taking taking the offer when Villa came in because ultimately it meant we didn't have to deal with Daniel Levy, which was a, an almost <laughs> near certainty to happen if if that offer hadn't come completely out of the blue. At the end of the day, those two players were had a year left on their contract. We either take a chance that um, they're still motivated for that last season um, and the, the non-performances in pre-season suggested that Danny Ings wasn't particularly motivated and therefore, okay, you you take you take a view. Um, do you kind of keep hold of them for for that final year and um, then let them go for nothing, um, or do you kind of just take what you can get and hope that um, you can? You're never going to be able be able to replace like for like, but maybe you can replace two thirds of the output and then hope to make up the difference elsewhere in the team. And I think that's that's the view that we've taken with both players because we've signed uh, Adam Armstrong from. Uh, Blackburn, who has looked lively, albeit um, has kind of had similar issues that Che Adams has had in front of goal in that they both 
kind of work hard and get into decent positions, but they're not quite as clinical yet. Um, but they're both young and, and I'd, I'd like to think that will come. So, but fans, fans do kind of get frustrated when we sell, when we sell players, but it's, you'd, you'd have thought that over by now, after, after what happened that, that summer after in, when was it 2014, when we basically sold everybody and there was the, the and uh, Pochettino left and I think six first teamers also went out the door. And Ronald Koeman came in and there was the famous uh, Twitter photo of the training ground with a load of cones sat out and nobody there. And that was the, that was the, the kind of joke. Oh, where's it? Where's everybody gone? And all of a sudden, actually that, that, um, that transfer window, we signed Dusan Tadic, um, Sadio Mane, Graziano Pella and Toby Alderweireld. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, after what after the results that we saw with that with that team over the following two or three years, you would have thought that our fans would have kind of settled down with this situation of our position in relative position in the food chain and actually trust the club that okay, it's not gonna work every time, but um there is a there is a method to the supposed madness of continually selling your best players. Mm. Well, I mean, talking of players that you've got, obviously you've got. I mean, I know you, you sold uh, Bertrand to uh, to uh, to Leicester, ex Chelsea boy. You still got Romeo, of course, um, yep. whose whose career basically went downhill after he met me and was photographed with me. I have to say, um, <laughs> not helped by a broken leg. That had nothing to do with me. I hasten to add. Uh, but you've got uh, Liveramento, uh, who you bought from us, much to our annoyance, uh, because we really do rate him. And of course, some some deal with that, by the way. Yeah, we got with, a buyback, um, haven't we? Fifty million or something. Fifty million quid buyback yeah. clause. I mean, thirty thirty-five. Is it thirty-five? I thought it was fifty. No, the um, the 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 number I've so the number I've seen is that effectively Chelsea would have to pay us thirty-eight million, um, but that will but we haven't actually paid anything of the five million yet. That doesn't that doesn't kick in till next summer. Wow. Um, and basically, there is. It's then a fifteen um, percent of of profit type um, situation. So it would be th- So if Chelsea were to buy him back, it would be um, Chelsea would have to basically pay us thirty eight million, which would be the equivalent of a fifty million transfer fee. Wow. What What do you think of him though, Steve? Because he's. I've seen a couple of Saints games, and he looks very good. I have to say. Yeah, I mean he's he's slot, slotted in seamlessly, and it's. I mean, I I when we signed him, I thought, okay, well, I mean, obviously looking at the fan reaction, Chelsea fans were thinking, why have we let this kid go? Mm. Um, I'd not seen anything of him at all, and he came on in a preseason game at half time, and like within thir- literally within thirty seconds of um, the second half kicking off, he'd sent a th- he'd set up Theo Walcott for a goal, and um, he thought, oh, okay, this is interesting. And but I, I still didn't expect him to start the season because yeah, Carl Walker Peters was fully fit um and was um certainly among the contenders for player of the season last year. Um I mean he got my vote. I, I think he I think he was actually third in the vote in, in the end, but um for me he was he was our he was our outstanding player. And you thought, well, okay, we've bought a left back, so there's nothing really doing there. There's no no reason to to switch anybody over. Um, and all of a sudden you see the team sheet at Everton on the opening day and Livramento starting with Walker Peters on the bench. It's like, okay, this, 
I mean, as Walker Peters must have picked up a picked up a knock in training or something late this week, and he's he's not quite hundred percent. So okay, right. Well, let's let's see how this goes. And within twenty minutes of of that game at Goodison Park, there was a, there was something there that you just thought, okay, that's why he's picked him. And he was just like, Jesus, the, this kid has absolutely no fear whatsoever. Um, I mean, I think from a defensive perspective, I think there's there's obviously work to be done, but um, his confidence on the ball and um, as an attacking fullback is just extraordinary. At that given the given the level that he's come into, that he's I mean, he's obviously never played a Premier League game before, never played a senior game before, I don't think, and he just looks completely completely at ease. I think going forward, there may be an option for us to look at playing him in midfield, playing him as a as a right midfielder with Walker Peters behind him. Because I think then you kind of you find you find a way to keep your best players in the team. And Walker Peters is still one of our best players. Um, so I'd like to still see him playing uh, more often than not. But I think that gives us an option. But yeah, he's he's looked he's looked superb so far. Mm. What what about Broya? Mixed. Mm. Um, when he's, I mean, he was he was excellent at Newport County, but then that was against Newport County's reserves. Um, so you have to kind of apply a little bit of context to that. But that was his first game. That was his first appearance of any note for us, and he he was excellent for I think the seventy minutes or so he played. Um, and then he came off the bench against West Ham and nearly won us the game. And that was that was kind of the the performance that everyone thought, okay, this this kid's got something. And he clearly has. He's clearly got all the all the talent in the world. Um, what also seems to be quite clear is that there's a bit of an application issue. Um, in that we then went to Chef we obviously went to Sheffield United in the League Cup and he played um he played the full 90 um and to be honest, looked fairly disinterested. And Ralph Hasenhuttle called him out on it after the game as well. So it, it was obviously noticed um, on the bench as well. And I think it had been mentioned at the start of the season as well when obviously we signed him. Um, I think that was a that was a deadline day signing, I think. But he like um we I think Ralph basically said that he's not gonna um he's not gonna play immediately because he needs to realise that there are there are certain um, there are certain standards, and I think the the thing that was um, that was evident was that apparently he basically turned up at, at training and thought, right, I've made it, and and here we go. Um, so that ultimately, that how well he does, I think, is is entirely down to him and and his his mental application of things because you can see that he's got all the attributes to be a, to be an excellent center forward. Um, and if he applies himself and he gets his head in the game and he's, and he's there on a more consistent, on a more regular and consistent basis, then yeah. I mean, I think, I think you've got a, you've got a, a fine player for the future. I mean, whether, whether he'll actually get the opportunity, who knows? I mean, the way, the way it's, the way it seems to go at, at Chelsea, has all, I mean, for the last twenty years, has always been that um, someone someone looks promising coming through the ranks, and just as it looks as if they might just about break make a breakthrough, you go and spend anywhere between ten and a hundred million pounds on someone in the same position. So it's it's one of those. Then he might get an opportunity if he does. It's it's down to him to take yeah. it. 
I mean, he, he looked he looked okay. I mean, he he looked quite a decent player on the. Uh, he got a few opportunities with us last season, didn't he, Clayton? He, I mean, you know, he looked young, but he looked as though he had some talent. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that, that's a really interesting comment about his attitude. I suppose that I mean that that really sort of needs to be knocked out of him because you know just because you've got out on loan to a Premier League club doesn't mean you've made it because you've actually got to do it. Um, I mean, internationally, he's done very well, hasn't he? Then scored a couple of goals recently. Yeah, I mean, he got got the winner for Albania against Hungary, yeah. didn't he? So he's uh, he's obviously a talent. I mean, it just yeah, I'd be interested to know how it develops from from what you're saying as to whether he gets much of a look in. Um, I mean, I've been really impressed with sort of just the bits and pieces I've seen of sort of Armstrong seems really quite lively. Um, but it is a it's a it's a step up, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, Blackburn to the Premier League is uh, is a big thing. Um, no, I, th- I think Liberamento. I mean, it's a fantastic bit of business for you. It's absolutely mm. superb. Um, you know, and and he he the club didn't want him to go, mm. uh, but the club <laughs> were basically trying to sign Hakimi in the summer. Yeah. Who's who's a right back? And, you, and you've already got Reese James, your Aspilicueta, who can play right back if, yeah. if needs be. Although I think you'd probably prefer him in the centre these days. Um, yeah, and the problem is that players players read these read these um, rumours and see that. Well, hang on. Clearly, you're clearly you're you're looking for somebody in my position. Um, if you're do, if you're spending fifty million quid on a on another fullback, then there's absolutely no way that I'm getting in ahead of him. No matter how well I do, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna give the fifty million pound guy the the opportunity. So uh, how um, the one thing that I've got a real problem with is that I put Ward Prowse in my fantasy football league <laughs> team, hmm. and he doesn't really seem to be getting many points. I mean, he's a fabulous player. How's he playing this season? Uh, this season's been a bit of a struggle. I think um, I don't. I mean, his his summer was. Um, just a bit of a pain for him because um, obviously he was in the standby um, list for the Euro squad um, and played, obviously played in both of those games up in Middlesbrough, the two pre-tournament friendlies and was brilliant in the second game, um, man the match by, by country mile, um, but was still left out of the squad uh, basically because Southgate panicked after seeing the train wreck that was Tyrone Mings in those two games. Um, so basically went for Ben White instead. That was, that was, that was the reason that was basically the reason why it was white instead of Ward Prowse um, for that final spot. And I think that um, sort of rejection, if you like, kind of took a bit of a mental toll. There were weird rumors linking him with the move to Villa. It was like, well, okay, you, He's been like the price. The price being quoted was like thirty million. It's like, okay, that might get you his left foot. How about the rest of him? Um, given his importance to us, and and then we ov- we obviously ended up giving him a new deal. Um, so he's now our highest paid player. He's I think he's the first player we're paying a hundred hundred grand a week to. Um, and I think that kind of unsettled. Um, the whole thing just kind of unsettled him a little bit and he's not quite been been at it. Um, had an injury building up to the start of the season, so didn't didn't play much in pre-season either. 
So he's kind of had to hit the ground running when ideally he'd have had three or four games in preseason to to get up to speed, um, given the sort of talismanic uh, role that he's had for us over the last few years. And of course, he's now played 101 straight 90 minutes of Premier League football. So ultimately, I think the guy's just knackered. <laughs> I, I, th- um, I think I think a lot of footballers are knackered. Yeah, it's, I mean, it was it was interesting, wasn't it? In the um, uh, last um, last season, when obviously everybody had played that insanely sort of um, built up period in Project Restart um, last summer, and then we'd had a short preseason and come straight into the start of uh, start of last season. Um, the one player who basically hadn't played at all in that period. Um, throughout the Premier League, and then suddenly went on went on loan and started playing regular football. Jesse Lingard basically was ter- tearing the ass out of the entire league because he was he was the only player that had any energy. It's yeah, a really it's a really good point, Steve. Actually, and we were moaning about mental and physical fatigue earlier on. Now, uh, obviously, we're playing you on Saturday. Um, I have to say, um, our recent record against you lot has not been as impressive as many might think. In fact, the last time... I mean, we haven't beaten you at home since something like 2017. Yeah. December- it's, it's weird how yeah. we've got a good record at Stamford Bridge and you've got a good record at St Mary's. Yeah, exactly. Which I kind of like because I n- nearly always go down to St Mary's. It's, it's one of my favourite aways because uh, being in Winchester, it's not really an away. But... Uh, I can't go this year for some reason, but anyway, that's beside the point. Now, here's the thing. I mean, you know, you're right. We we we've come off the back of two disappointing defeats. Uh, I would imagine that Tuchel will have got into them. Um, you know, m- many of us might see it as an opportunity to really bounce back and also, you know, get Lukaku scoring again. Uh, but, yeah, he's, but, he's got a good record against us as well. Well, indeed. But I do fear. I fear that it might not be the case. And one of the reasons is that. You managed to draw nil-nil away to Man City. So, A, how on earth did Saints do that? And B, can you do it again against us? Um, I think it'll be difficult, um, largely because I think your, while Man City's team is team and squad is obviously a fantastic team and, and they've, been, they've been a great side for, for a number of years, I also think they're quite one-dimensional in the way that they play in that it's quite predictable in that they're they're always looking to play in a fairly narrow part of the pitch. They don't you they don't make the pitch wide particularly. Um whereas I think Chelsea Chelsea's squad is much more rounded. You've got a lot of different options. So you could play you can play with wing backs if you want to um and add extra even add extra wingers as well just to make the make the game really wide put crosses into a, into a big centre forward, or you can put balls down the channel for Lukaku and Werner to run onto. Um, or you can play um, play neat through the middle as well, because um, you've got players who are good on the ball in tight spaces um, in a similar way that Man City like to play. But we've, we've basically worked out how to, um, how to stop those, those sort of um, attacks, I think. Is that by pressing, um, Steve? Aren't you a very much a pressing side? That was the impression that I got. Well, um, we were, and then we got halfway through last season and everyone fell over because we were just exhausted yes. and realised that actually we can't, we can't do, we can't sustain this over a full season. It doesn't work. Um, obviously, we were top of the league for, what, three days. 
um, off the back of having been able to do it through Project Restart and the start of last season. But once you get a cut, once once people start getting fatigued and, and injured, um, you can't you can't sustain it because the quality wasn't there in the in the backup players. We've we've kind of expanded the squad, and we've I'm confident now that the players we've got on the bench are able to at least match the level of the of the first eleven now, which we didn't have last season. But I think um, I think it's difficult to sustain a real high pressing game for 90 minutes at, at this level now. Um, so what we've, what we've tended to do is basically play a, play a more sort of, we do press, but we press in stages. So we'll press for five minutes perhaps, and um, basically try and un- unsettle the opposition defense and um, sort of try and spring something early. Um, but then we'll kind of settle down and and kind of reevaluate, um, keep a fairly fairly low block because we're not still not that quick at the back, and then that then en- enables us to have a little bit of energy for the last 20, 25 minutes, and it's been noticeable particularly in our home games um, this season that we've actually been a lot better um, in the last fifteen to twenty minutes. So Man United we should have won late on. West Ham, we should have won late on, and Wolves, we should have got back, got level late on. Um, but kind of ahead of sort of earlier in in um, all three of those games, we weren't quite so strong. Whereas in pre- in previous seasons, we'd have been out of the blocks really quick first half, real high press, and we'd have probably got ourselves into a lead. But then we'd completely run out of gas in the second half, and we'd loop and we'd toss the game away. Mm, interesting. Um- so, in, our, in our, from our point of view, Steve, let, let's hope Chelsea are, are, are far, you know, beyond sight by half time. Uh, although, I mean, you know, I mean, it was the other way around, wasn't it? In that ridiculous three-three. But how, how do you think it's going to go tomorrow? What, what's your prediction? It's diff- I find it difficult to see us winning in, winning this one, um, just because you've got a lot of quality, and ultimately, there's a point to prove after two. Yeah. fairly underwhelming performances in the last week or so. Um, and there's just, there's a, there's a lot that needs to go right for us to get a result. And I, I just don't, I, I think we'll be all right. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think we're going to get hammered, but I just think we'll probably get edged out. Um, so I suspect it'll be, it'll be one nil. And I mean, Lukaku will score that. I mean, that's an absolute certainty. <laughs> well, uh, it's nine times. I think he scored against he really? you. Isn't that right? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Good stats, J.K. I'm impressed. Well, Steve, um, as always, you know, I'm not going to wish you any luck at all for tomorrow, but I certainly will wish you luck for the rest of the season. And uh, it being that I can't get down to St. Mary's this year, unless they move it to a Sunday, so I kind of hope they do. Uh, then well, it's quite I, often a TV game that one. Yeah, yeah. But my, knowing my luck, it'll be it'll be twelve thirty. So on a Saturday, but uh, I yeah. hope they move it to a Sunday because then that means I can still go. But uh, for obvious reasons, I hate you stay up because I, I, I hate to see my mates miserable, but also because I would really miss the opportunity to get get on the train and join all my mates coming down from London for the Southampton away. So there you go. So I do wish you luck for the rest of the season. Brilliant seeing you as always. Thanks so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate that. And uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, before the away match, which would be, I think, Friday the 8th of April, if my memory serves me correctly. Yes, sir.
Yeah, uh, quite a way away, that it one. It is, isn't it? It seems, <laughs> seems like a long way away. Trust me, it'll come That's around a lifetime away, that. <laughs> All right, mate. Good to see you, and uh, hopefully yeah, we'll do. see you in April. Take care. Yeah, we'll do. Cheers. Thanks, Steve. Cheers. Cheers, guys. See ya. Brilliant. There we go. That's Steve Grant from Total Saints Podcast there. Uh, and uh, what a, what an in- yeah, he, he, I, I love it. We get these guests; they're so knowledgeable about their football, aren't they? And their club. It's 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 really interesting to have their insight, chaps, isn't it? And they're also knowledgeable about us as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what kind of what and I that's mean. That's yeah. scary, though. Actually, I think. Well, how does he know all about that? I don't know. They, that, maybe that. they should do our show, and we should just retire. You know, maybe that'd yeah. be a good idea. Anyway, we're not going to retire yet because we've got part three coming up in a minute, and we'll see you then. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast Friday night preview show. Uh, and of course, it's me, Stamper Chidge, uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, and the lovely Clayton Beerman. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, indeed. Uh, now, before uh, we get on and preview uh, the Chelsea-Southampton match, uh, as we do in part three, I've got a couple of parish notices. Ooh. And the first one is that I can reveal that this week's Football Prizes competition, if you remember last week, uh, we had uh, a Frank Lampard signed and framed shirt, which I don't know who won on Wednesday night, but hopefully somebody who listens to this show. Um, this week, almost kind of serendipitously, really, it is a Mason Mount signed and framed shirt in this week's football prizes draw. Now the tickets are four ninety five pounds each, but they are currently, or they were the last time I looked, they were on sale a sale price of three pounds ninety six for a short time. I suspect they'll probably go back up to four ninety five before next Wednesday, the sixth of October, when the draw will commence and you will no longer be able to buy a ticket. Now uh, to enter, you go to footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product, forward slash mount hyphen shirt. Uh, and the last time I looked, which was about two this afternoon, there were about f- 57 of the 99 tickets still available. So there's a few there, but do not miss out. Because once people know that Mason Mount's shirt's up for grabs, I can assure you that many people will want to hop onto that bus. Now, as we're talking about the game, or we're about to tomorrow, and it's a home game, I can also tell you that... If you're disappointed that you can't go and meet the legend that is Jonathan Kidd in person and get him to sign his incredibly prestigious autograph on his new book, what he has written about his dad, <laughs> I know it's very upsetting. I'm I'm mortified. I'm really I'm I'm so upset. I'm thinking of not going at all tomorrow. That's how upset I am. However, oh, that's true. No. It's true. Oh. However, 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 you can make up for your disappointment because uh, uh, the Chelsea Supporters Trust, as they as they always do at every home game will be having a food bank collection, something we started a few years ago now, a few seasons ago. Um, and it will, and it's, as you probably know by now, it's in aid of the uh, Hammersmith and Fulham food banks. And uh, the collection point has moved. It used to be at the CFC UK stall, but now it is at the gates of the Sir Oswald Stoll Mansions, which of course is next to Stamford Bridge. Uh, sadly, uh, the need for food banks are getting greater than ever. Uh, and what they really would like are donations of long-life juice and milk, tinned fruit, meat and vegetables, and instant coffee. And uh, if you if you you know if you can't be asked to go to Sainsbury's or lug a big bag of shopping around, you can always donate you know ten twenty quid or whatever you you can afford really. 
and you'll see Cliff there, no doubt, and a few of the other trusts as well. So please go and do that. It's a lovely thing to do, and we're all very proud of the fact that we're helping people who are less fortunate than ourselves. Now, Chelsea versus Saints. Bit of a, it's like a, a chidge classico, isn't it? Really, I suppose you know. It, I, I meant to say to uh, Steve, actually, I'm, 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 I'm kicking myself that I didn't when he was talking about Danny Ings. Danny Ings is the third most famous person to come from Winchester behind, of course, me and Wayne Bridge. You know, just thought I'd get Who that. Who did he there. support, Chidge? Was he a Pompey <coughs> fan? I really don't know, actually. I mean, I knew he was born in Winchester, but, you know, I was talking to Gibbo, uh, my mate, on last Friday about Danny Ings, and he was the same as Steve. He was saying, well, people are spitting their, their dummies out. But, you know, there's no loyalty in football just because you live in the area and, you you know, it's your home team. It doesn't mean you have to play, play for them or stick around. So I think that they all seem quite sanguine about it. But there you go. Let's talk about the team selection. As always, I've done my little lineup here. Uh, and I mean, I think, chaps, really, in view of what we were saying earlier, I mean, I really do think, um, for example, that he needs to not play Ziyech and Havertz right now. Because um, I think they need to have a spell pondering uh, how they will actually gain form. And I know you can say they can gain form by playing, but I just think others are champ. This is Chelsea, you know, we can't have people, can't have travellers, can we, you know? So my, my selection is really much, very much based on, on that, as in who might be tired, who deserves a chance given the impact that they've had recently, and also half a mind to how we better support Lukaku and we get some creativity and box-to-boxishness in midfield. Now, I also assumed before I wrote this that Mount might not play, so I'm going to modify one of them, um, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I'm thinking Mondi, Rudiger, Christensen, Chaloba. I agree with Clayton that Silva will need a rest. Chilwell has got to start for me. I think Alonso needs a rest, and I'm being polite there. Uh, Aspilicueta... I think starts as the right wing back because I think he can play there. Simple as that. And we know that James is not fit. Midfield's a bit difficult. I would absolutely, absolutely start Loftus-Cheek. I think in the last couple of weeks, he's more than earned the right to get a start. And he brings something different to that midfield. You know, he can run with the ball. He sets up attacks and he keeps going. JK was wonderfully eloquent about this on Monday night on the show. He's got to start. Then the moot point, given that Conte is not fit, is is it Jorginho or is it Kovacic? I don't think it really matters. I've gone for Jorginho. All right. Also, noting the fact that, that you know, we're playing a, 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 on paper a poorer side. So I don't think he will be as exposed as much as he was against City. Then up front, obviously Lukaku. Now, as I said, I, I wrote this thinking that Mount wasn't fit. So I've gone... In lieu of uh, no Mount and also not wanting Ziyech or Havertz to play, I've gone Werner, who again I think you know for all of his you know blunt you know his, his I mean comedy I suppose is one way of putting it. He does put in more bloody effort than than Havertz and Ziyech combined. So I was prepared to start him, but I was also going to put in view of the fact that Pulisic is also unavailable. I was going to put Hudson Odoi in there, uh, not as a wing back, but actually far more forward now. You know, if Mount's fit, then what I would do is I would actually probably start Mount on the right and Hudson Odoi on the left of the two behind Lukaku. Oh God, I can't cope, Chidge. Well, okay. that's what I, because I think you're right, J.K. I think it makes absolute sense. He's much better playing on the left than he is the right. 
Clayton's, Clayton said Sorry, that. Clayton, I do apologise. Yeah, but I totally agree. It, it, you know, it, it really boils my piss that he, he But we haven't seen right. that with Tuchel at all we with haven't him playing seen on the left. Yeah, I mean, it, to was, be... it was a Lampard thing, in fact. He yeah. Tuchel hasn't played him there at all. But... And in fact, the fact that he's tried to make him into a wing-back proves that he's, he re- thinks he's much more right-sided. But I thought his second-half performance against um, uh, Juventus was much more encouraging. I agree, actually. yeah. I thought he really tried. He worked very hard and they did put a lot of players on him because he was he was dangerous. I just think that, um, uh, that, 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 that I think, as he said today, Tuchel, they're performing at 90 percent at the moment. And it needs to be many instances, 100 percent, because Lukaku, despite not getting the service and despite being uh, being stitched up on many occasions by the, the, the fact there were three players on him from time to time, um, did have three chances. And didn't put any of them away, and the that timid one that from the the corner that they took that as they kept insisting on the unbelievably dreadful commentary that we got uh, from the uh, from from BT Sport Darren it, Fletcher, uh, yeah Darren Fletcher and Hoddle. Oh my goodness, you'd think that um, that uh, Juventus were the greatest team in the world from the way they were they were going on about them, and we were the worst team. It just got worse and worse the whole commentary. Um, but the the, the one that was scuffed, that he scuffed when it was driven across the penalty area. I'm afraid you pay a hundred million for a forward like that to, to bury that. He should have scored. In... He should, should have scored the shot. There's no doubt in my mind about yeah. that. Yeah. Head, yeah. Headers, you know. I mean, he was under pressure a bit with them. I, I, you, they're easier. No, the to previous miss. one, the one he lay back and went over. He should have scored for put, yeah. put it on target. I, I, I think out of all the chances, the one he hoofed over the bar was the one yeah, that he should have better, put away. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, you look at the difference better. between that and Chiesa, for example. Oh. Which oh. is a brilliant finish. Brilliant, but one brilliant shot. Finish. One yeah. shot that he had. But he, he deliberately hit it high because that's the only yeah. place he could put it. I thought that was. I, I really rate Chiesa, by the way. I think he's. Oh, a fin- we were, we were yeah. linked vaguely with him about yeah. three weeks ago. We were, we? Um, Clayton, are you in agreement with uh, his, his Royal Highness, Mr. Kidd? Yeah, very much so. I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I completely agree that I just don't think Tuchel trusts Hudson Adoy up front. Which is a great shame, um, because I think if, if going with what you proposed, um, having him on the left, um, it's worth a try because we need to do something. We need to feed the beast up front, and we're not doing that. Um, Werner is is an interesting <laughs> say one. It, say it, Clayton. Say it. What one of the things that as as that that um, I've seen this season, and I don't know whether you guys picked up on this on Monday, was that I think it was against, certainly against Villa, and then definitely against Man City. When he's been on these lung-bursting runs, he seems to be hunched over afterwards. <laughs> he really does. He looks like he's just he, he's given everything and he hasn't got much more to give. I just, I, I just don't know. I mean, he's a complete enigma. To me, I really just—I I just don't get him. I, I think the, he's got Chelsea-itis, mate. It's not an enigma. He's another I, one in the long line of people who've come with a rep and look absolutely out of their depth. He's like another case. You, know, you, you think about the two goals that he scored against Southampton last season. Yeah. You thought, wow. Yeah. Wow! 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 We've really got something here, and. I don't think he's done anything similar to that since. No. I mean, I, I just, as you say, he, the effort he gives, you know, the, the, I think the, the body language of Havertz 
and Ziyech belies what they actually do. I think they do do stuff. And I do think they put the effort in. And, and JK said early on about the effort that um, the Ziyech put in on, on Wednesday night, which was most of which was misplaced. I mean, you, you just, you know, like, like tomorrow, we know that Southampton are going to press. I do fear for tomorrow because I think of all the opponents that we could have had, I think they're probably one of the worst that we could have had. It would have been very nice to have actually swapped this fixture with Norwich. I think we need a Norwich. I really do. And I think I think Southampton will make it very, very difficult. And unless we score early, I think it could be uh, it could be a very long afternoon. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I'm, I mean, I'm really hoping that we bounce back, and I'm really hoping that we we you know get a few goals. And I and I as all, I mean, you know, it's like a very obvious thing to say, but I think scoring early, particularly for us, is a is a real help. And and I think given what Steve was saying, that Saints have a proclivity to fizzle out, or or more to the point, actually, he said that they came back into it late, didn't he? So. A few well, goals. I think they rest, don't they? They rest yeah. after the press. They press and then they then they, they'll 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 then reappear as as energized because they're. I mean, they're, I, they're I, I think the amount it. of pressure on us tomorrow might also be against us because the amount of pressure to get a result after two defeats just before the international break, I think is huge pressure on us to win this. I really do. Well, I mean, we haven't lost uh, three in a row. Uh, well, three, three straight competitive deep defeats within 90 minutes in the same season since September, October 2002. Wow. Yeah, that is a wowzers, isn't it? So, you know, if you're a betting... Not, I lo- not, I, not even in the palpable Discord season. Yeah, it says uh, the Blues... This is right. This I, I get a lot of these previews. I, I basically... My go-to is Rick's wonderful stuff... Uh, the pre-match briefing, which is just brilliant, as we all know. But the other bit I get, which is also quite interesting, because it's a bookmaker, really. It's the Flash Score app that I've got, and they always do a preview of the game. They're doing it with a with a betting frame of mind, so they're all full of this kind of stuff, and I love all that. But yeah, they say that uh, we're trying to avoid three straight competitive defeats within ninety minutes in the same season, something they haven't suffered since September October two thousand and two. So there you go. They would know. Um, so. I mean, you know, I, I, it, it, it's so hard because you know, one half of your brain is saying we should we should hump this lot, but the other half is saying football is all about uh, you know circumstance and timing and uh, momentum and momentum. Yeah, exactly. And and it, it is it, you know Southampton will make it very difficult for us, J.K. And I think Hassan Hassan are really good. This is what I keep saying to my Southampton mates, J.K., who are all despondent. I'm saying I don't know why you are. Hassan Hootel's a bloody good manager, mate. And actually, Tuchel was very very complimentary about him today. And I think they know each other from from way back, don't they? Well, he said in the presser they've played against each other, but also they meet up at. Um... Uh, there are a coach meets that I didn't know anything about. Actually, they obviously get together to discuss uh, the season ahead, or just whether they're social. They must be just social meets. Um, well, well, they're not going to discuss tactics, are they? Can I just, by the way, say that I don't think he'll play cheek. I think he'll play Mason Mount. Who? Um, uh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, sorry, I like calling him cheeky cheek um well i think uh, i think he'll play mason mount and verner behind lukaku you know i think i agree but i don't think he will actually i think he'll play havertz again i just think he thinks havertz is a a totem um 
But uh, and he, I think he, he'll he plays like a totem pole. So he, he well, like I mean, the, 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 you, you can't forget that there, there has to be an element of pressure to pay him, play him on the basis that he costs us eighty nine million wow. quid. Do you do you really think that? Do you really think that that makes a difference? Do you really think so? Yeah, no, I do. Why? I just think there's external pressure. But I'm, I'm not so sure, mate. I'm really. I mean, I know what you mean. It 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 can look like that, but I really I. I Call me naive, but I cannot well, believe I, that, 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 that the selection of the team is dictated by how much money we've spent on the players. No, but I do think there's a certain element of if you have spent that much money, you tr- you must try and make I'm it out. work. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing I will say to you both on that point is there may be some uh, kind of post-facto logic to that, given... Uh, you know what Lampard did to certain players. I mean, you know, there's a. You could say that one of the crosses against Lampard's name, as far as the board was concerned, was was trying to ditch Kepper, who they'd spent seventy odd million on. You know, so you know, maybe there is some, maybe there is some truth to it. I just can't, I can't believe that that's the case. I mean, J.K. Like I've been saying, you know, to Steve and us lot, you know, Saints did draw nil nil with Man City, and I thought Steve's points on that were really, really. Bang on, actually. City are a very different side than us. But well, I don't no understand mugs. how it happened, Chidge. I don't understand how that happened. I didn't, I, don't I didn't see the game, annoyingly. But I think what they did was they, they did what Juventus did to us. But because City only play one way, they just try and play down the, you know, through the lines. They don't go wide and get crosses in. A bit like what we did to Barcelona in the new Camp in, in 2012. Well, and, and, what, and what we did to City in the first half. And what we did to City. Last week. Yeah, exactly. So, you know... That, that, that's a, there's a really good way to set up against teams who like possession of the ball are all about these triangular short passes and playing through the channels. You just sit there with 10 men behind the ball no, indeed, and you indeed. just well, try fact, and keep them narrow. As, as Tuchel said, that, it, uh, that City, it did, we did very well last week playing that way because it was nil-nil at half-time. Yeah. And, uh, and they just got a, a deflected goal. Yeah. And that was, that was the difference. Yeah. And so he was, he was bigging up the fact that we'd played marvellously defensively and that was a way of playing but I don't think that's the way they'll play because they press normally perhaps it'll be a combination of the two I mean I just it always seems to happen with with Southampton that they've got you know a couple of decent players who some weeks just don't turn it on and then others do and Redmond for example is an is Redmond is an example of that who sort of shoots occasionally from miles away and occasionally hits somebody and it goes in or he's very accurate or probably hit Werner won't it it probably will hit well if Werner plays I don't think he'll play Werner I don't think he'll play Werner. I think he'll. Um, I, uh, I don't. Do think you, he'll play do you a, think he's? A, do you think he's actually given up on Werner? Yeah. Well, I, he he played him in. Um, uh, when did he come on in the? Um, well, he in, played. He started the, against Man City in the City that, game. Presumably. That's right. But he did that thing. He was actually put through when we when we we pushed out the one occasion, and he yeah. had two. He, the first touch took the ball about three yards wide. The first touch he took. And it but really... I, I, th- I think he played principally because he played in all three games where we beat Man City. I think he, he basically yeah, trusted yeah. what he'd done in, in those three games. But interestingly, um, we, we didn't have any of the same com- combination. Chilwell played out of his skin. It was playing, was playing out of his skin at that time of the season. Yeah. And Chilwell hasn't been the same player at all. Did all right uh, against Juve when he came on, though. No, he did. I'm saying, yeah, but he, 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 he was better, but he hasn't been before. that. I think he'll start because I think he is... I think we have to come to the conclusion he is um, all round a better player than Alonso, who, as you said, Chidge, is absolutely bizarre in his 
ability to start well and then somehow fall away. And I, I, I slightly despair because I really like him as a player when he's on top form and he's, uh, he's such a brilliant uh, attacker and, and his, his ability to control the ball and shoot is, is fantastic. But if he's just off the pace as he was against Juventus, you just think, well, okay, let's just not play him. I can't stand but it. You know what? I mean, there's a really strong case, isn't there, I think? We, you know, we've got a pretty big squad. I mean, Tuchel says we don't yeah, have a big squad. Yeah, yeah, but I think yeah. there's, you know, there's a, there's a depth in that squad, which qualitatively is the best we've seen for a while, I think. But there is also a case, I think, for saying there's a lot of horses for courses players there. And I think, you know, Werner is a good pick for teams that we are going to be under the cosh against who we can counter-attack. Uh, Alonso is good for teams who are not going to, you know, be too aggressive against us and want to pin us back and certainly put a man on him so that he'll get a lot of freedom down the left and he won't have to defend much. Um, Jorginho is brilliant... yeah, sorry. Jorginho is brilliant against teams again who are not very attack-minded, so that he can just control and dictate the tempo of the match. But you play him against somebody who's got more aggressive intent and put two people on him and gets aggressive with him, then he's exposed. So we've got a with, lot with of that, horses for courses players, I think. With that argument, Werner should play tomorrow and Jorginho shouldn't, and it should be yeah. Kovacic. Yeah, who had a stinker against Juve, stinker. but up, up till then has been really good for us this season. So. Yeah. You know. Well, there was a, there was a there was a great description of Kovacic as being Juventus's best player in the first half. Well, he created more <laughs> chances for them, didn't he? Yeah, he created yeah. their only two chances. In fact, um, I read an article saying that it was these the the errors that he made encouraged Juventus that they had a chance, and before that, we weren't making any errors at all, and we were completely all over them. The very fact that they were suddenly brought into the game and almost scored because Chiesa, if you remember, through one of them drove straight across the goal and should possibly have centred it. And it gave them um, a kind of, oh, we can actually beat this team. We were champions of... uh, It was was a very frustrating performance. You know, I was quite shocked that first 20 minutes that you, they were just scared. Just just that back. What I actually wanted, and and this this is never going to happen. But when you actually play a team like that, who who obviously have got no intention of moving out of their half, is if you go, well, all right, then we won't move out of our half. (laughs) We'll just put the ball on the. Do you know what that reminds me of? There will be some people out there who will get this, but. Monty Python's uh, yes. Philosopher's Football, yes. where Hegel's yeah. sitting there with yes. his kind of scratching his chin, yes. and, and yes. Then nothing happens for half an hour, and then somebody goes, ah, Eureka, and then they kick yeah. the ball, don't they? It's absolutely yes, it's the, brilliant. The, the, the Greek I, philosophers I just, score just a great thought, goal, know, don't they? Yeah, Socrates yeah, scores it. You there at home, you know, the obligation on them should be to come out, and, and we should just, well, you're not going to come out, so we won't come out. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, it'd be funny to see it. All right, boys, uh, nail your colours to the mast. Uh, Clayton, what are you going to go for? <laughs> yeah. A pint. Uh, one, a pint. One all. One all. Mm, mm. That's not what we want. Uh, JK? 4-1. 4-1 to Southampton. Good man. 4-1 no, to Saints. The, if Lukaku's going to score three. Yeah, OK. Um, I'm going to go 3-0, actually, because we have a habit of beating teams that aren't as good as us 3-0 but you know I don't say that with a huge amount of conviction I'm just kind of relying on Tuchel to pick the right team and and you know get the right attitude I, th- I thought the, the most interesting thing you, you you picked one of you two picked up on this earlier earlier on 
But Tuchel said in the presser, didn't he? It's about that 10%. We have to find that 10%. I mean, he's a bloody good manager and I trust him to figure this shit out. I really do. So, you well, know. that you, you know, what, one of the main reasons why more than anything else I want us to win tomorrow is to go into the international break on the back of three dif- three bad performances, or not bad performances, that's not right, but three sort of average results. You know, the naysayers and the shit and social media and all the rest of it. And whilst I know that it is not the be-all and end-all, you have to think that what eventually happened to Lampard, you know, the permeate, you know, the the... the the feelings permeate through, yeah, and do. I don't want I don't want that to happen to Tuchel. Mm-hmm. And I, I, he's he's a you know you listening to that press conference today and just thinking what a man yeah. you know says all the right things, understands the game, you know. I just I, I, re, I just that's why I want us to win tomorrow. I mean, all obviously always want us to win, but I think that's so important. Yeah. I really do. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think the other thing, from what we understand, you know, Mount will be playing tomorrow. And I mean, let's be really honest here. That makes a massive difference because he's the one player, you know, we were having a bit of, a, I mean, actually, as I said, Discord was really quite feisty and a bit toxic. I lost my shit, actually. And if Kaiser's listening, I'm very sorry for being rude. But I did kind of back it up with why I was being rude, which you might have missed, I think, in the original message. I did. I said, oh, do fuck off. You know, which is a, which is a classic chidge thing, really, isn't it? But um, you know, one thing that got that got very overlooked there. Somebody was saying, "Well, what does Mount bring to the team?" And I said, "You know, he, we're not a one-team player, and of course that's true. But he is the only person in the entire squad who has that dynamism and energy to set the tempo and the press and all of that. If he does nothing else, that's what he does that nobody else can do. And I think, and I think we know from from what Tommy Tuchel said that that, that he and Lukaku have develop some sort of a, a relationship in, on, on the pitch, which is good. Yeah. And and I think, you know, he he makes us tick, basically. He makes he makes the last third tick in the way that Kante makes the midfield tick. So I do think that having Mount back will make a big difference. I'm sticking with 3-0, boys, but here's the rub, right? Yeah. Uh, if you saw what me and JK, the, the abomination that we, we do with the Prem Predictions League, you will know to put your money on a different result tomorrow. Uh, and I can prove this indefatigably because you lot out there, you thought you got away with it. Those you, those of you who had stinkers uh, last weekend on the Prem Predictions League, you thought, ah, ha, 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 you thought, yeah, Chidge forgot. He didn't say anything on Monday. Well, no, 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 no. Because, of course, we still had Chelsea versus, uh, Chelsea, we still had Palace versus Brighton to play. So, therefore, the league was not finished yet. And, of course, it is now. And it's now is the time to humiliate and embarrass you all. But sadly, most of all, me and JK, because we are just shit. I mean, there's no <laughs> other way to put it, mate. Um, you're only slightly more shit than me, which is an improvement on last season. You're not bottom. You're 70th uh, with 290. You had a really good week. You were one of the highest scorers last week, JK. You're about the third or fourth highest scorer. How about that? Well, there you were just saying how dreadful I was. Well, I think overall was... we are, but you had a good week last week. When everybody well, I might else... have a good week tomorrow. I might, might get the result right tomorrow. You, you never might. know. You never know. Uh, I'm I'm in 68th. I'm having an absolute... I'm 70th. Oh, cheers. Yeah. Hello. I am having a Western Supermare this season. This is a season 
to, to it's, this, this, I, I mean, it, you know those really, really good teams that's, uh, that are in like 18th position after about half a season and just don't know why. I'm having that kind of a season. But anyway, uh, Tony Glover is not doing much better. He's in 66th place uh, with 335 points. Uh, Mark Meehan and D- Dean Mears are kind of slightly lower mid-table. Uh, Mark's in third, 45th. Dean is in 43rd. Uh, Dane Whittle is doing quite well. He's in 34th. And, of course, our runaway leaders in the Chelsea Fancast mini group are, of course, Martin Wickham and Marco Worrell. Now, they had a bad week and they've slipped a bit. Mar- Martin's down to ninth. Marco's down to fourth. He was second the week before. Uh, now, the uh, the ex-players, uh, Pat uh, had a stinker again. He's in 62nd. So he's, you know, I think there's a pattern here, you know, the erudite amongst us are all doing very, very badly, including Pat. I find it makes me feel a lot better that Pat's having a shit season. I'll be if honest. A player, an ex-player's having a bad I know. season. Well, and he's a pundit. I mean, out of him yeah. carrying canners, he's like proper pundit, isn't he? he so is, yeah. that makes me feel slightly better. Kerry had a stinker. He's going to be. He's not phoned me today to get his predictions in, so he's probably sulking. Uh, but yeah, he had a, he had a shocker last week. He's in fifty-eight canners. Canners, who I got his predictions from whilst walking to the Cock Tavern last Saturday. <laughs> That's how disorganised both he and I were. I swear to God, he literally just made it up on the spot. He didn't do badly. He got he had quite a decent week, and he's in 40th. Sorry, 48th. Uh, which leaves, of course, our um, good old Luke Withers, who's, who's been top of the league all season. He didn't have too good a week. Very few people had a good week, it has to be said. Um, it was a really difficult one last week, but Luke's still out in the lead. Uh, Charlie Granger's second, Robert Barrett's third. But our performer of the week uh, was Yarek Kostka, who is now in 14th. But he got 156 points in a week where everybody had a shocker, basically. But he got one, he got two spot-ons and one, two, three, four, five, six correct results, including two spot-ons. So well done, Yarek. Well done, Luke, for your uh, brilliance. Again, you're still our top boy. So there you go. Don't forget to fill them in. You've got until half 12 tomorrow, of course, because the first match kicks off at half 12 tomorrow. But there you go. So there we go. End of another show. Clayton, lovely, lovely to see you. Always lovely to see you. Um, will we see you tomorrow? Uh, possibly not, but Jonathan might see me tomorrow. Oh, you're uh, going with uh, his lordship, are you? Indeed. Well, I'm delighted to hear that because are you going as his minder? Yes. I, I did actually say, <laughs> do I need to wear body armour? Yeah, yeah. Well, good luck with that and uh, have fun. I know it's a lot of fun with JK. JK, old bean, sorry your book uh, signing got cancelling, but you're going to have it before the Norwich game, right? That's the idea, yes. I yeah. think the weather will be better that. Who knows what the weather will be yeah. like? But Probably I go snowing by, by then. I go by DJ, the uh, the meteorologist yes, at Stamford Bridge. The Michael Fish of Chelsea Football Club. Indeed, yes. indeed. Yeah. So there you go. Well, look, enjoy the game, boys. Um, will, you, will we have a fan bite from you tomorrow? Uh, yeah. Will you have a guest on there with you? Well, I, I'm I'm thinking of just pushing Clayton forward and saying, "Here you are, Clayton. You'll go." Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think you know. I think Clayton's going to have to earn his earn his ticket and his supper tomorrow by appearing with you on the fan bite. I insist. On what that. probably happened is what happened to me very, the other day. It's well, very. Um... It's it's very daunting because JK has been so know, magnificent know, in this. The fact of going in there and blithering something yeah. uh, yeah. while JK is, you know, I, I, I don't really, um, 
I don't really. I'm not looking forward yeah. to it. You I, needn't do it then. You needn't oh, do it. Oh well, you you said you were moaning at me the other week, and so no, nobody no, else I was is doing we, it. You said I wasn't moaning. I was saying the reason for the fan bite was so that everybody had a go, so that yeah. the, everybody at ho- at home on Twitter could say, "Oh, that's what they look like. Oh, that's yeah. them." Yeah, we now it's Clayton's turn. Oh, now it's uh, you know Alex's what turn. you know what though. You, you've even intimidated me. I, I don't do another one with you because the the ones on your own are so bloody good. But anyway, what can I say? Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. So, All right. Great. Well, look, boys, enjoy the game tomorrow. Um, I'm going uh, with uh, the lovely, uh, well, he's in He's in Mixer at the moment. Keep the blue flag flying in north. So I'm seeing him tomorrow and uh, and uh, then going to the stall and then going to the cock and then hurrying home afterwards because I've got to drive tomorrow, which is a bit of a bummer. But there you go. So it'll be a sober chidge tomorrow. Probably after last week, that is probably a very, very, very good thing. You know, <laughs> I, I still had a hangover on Monday when we did the show after that Saturday before. Dear Lord, anyway, I'm too old for this shit. Right, now, JK and myself will, of course, be back on Monday and uh, the main Chelsea Fancast show, as we always do. And we will be with the uh, the Beach Boys of the Chelsea Fancast, which is Dean and Dane, or Dane and Dean, if you prefer. <laughs> yes, Dean Mears and Dane Whittle. We'll have to record a single, won't we? We did. I wrote a song on the spot, don't you remember? I remember. I have to I remember. dig it out. I have to dig it I'm out. I'm supposed to do a sting for you, aren't I? You are. What am I supposed to, am I supposed to be doing? What's it it's for, pretty- though? I can't remember. I can't remember what it's supposed to be for now. You said in the middle of the show, oh, Chidge, we should do a sting for that. I can't remember what it was now. Is it fannies, fannies, yeah. Do a Rudy V, Rudy V, do a Rudy V type short, short little sting. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Lovely. All right, we've got to go. Uh, So uh, brilliant to see all the Mixler people as always. Thank you to Liam and uh, to Steve for being great guests as always, and to these two fabulous people too. Uh, We'll see you on the Monday, as I said. And until then, thank you for listening. See you Monday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Have a good chill.